1: I am going to get right into it today because we have no time to waste. Um, Like my husband said, we are introducing a new ministry of Oasis today called Well to Well that fulfills the pillar of God's city. And I'm already glued to my laptop when I'm up here, but I'm going to be like extra glued because I have so much to get through because what you're really here for is everyone that's going to be seated here. Um, And so I just want to get right into it. Our vision for Oasis has always been to see Chicago healthy, whole, and connected to Jesus. We have always believed that it would be done through relationships. You guys know that about our church, community and relationship, and by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to take you through the years really quick of how the Lord has grown and involved the pillar of God's city. Many of you are familiar with the term Love Chicago, or maybe uh, you've been a part of Love Pilsen in the past. Um... And um, it's been our method of connection and serving within our city for the last six years since we um, planted here. And we can't talk about well-to-well without talking about Love Chicago. Well-to-well is a complete result and product of what the Lord has done the last six years through what we called Love Chicago. Eight years in relationship with Pastor Charles and Kay in Chicago City Life Center. Many back to school events and Tuesday night services of coming together. Building relationships in Pilsen as we hosted a back to school event for the community. 30 families fed continuously over COVID. These same families experiencing an at home personal back to school event and Christmas. Thank you, Santa Claus. And our community picnic that we hosted last year inside due to the rain, but we still threw down. And I'm just giving you the highlights. So much more has been done over these last six years in in relationship building and connection. And although I'm proud of that, and super happy to share all that, this shouldn't be unique or special to the church. And so we celebrate these things, and we should, but what are we actually celebrating? Are we actually celebrating the move of God, or are we celebrating what we've done? Because all of these things just is the church. And so, how do we continue to be the church? We believe that the church should and can be the leading force of change and wholeness to our city. (laughs) We believe that the church should and can be the leading force of change and wholeness to Chicago. And as we've prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to guide us, we know that it all starts in one place. Where do you think? Where do you think? Here, yes, thank you. We believe a healed people heal our city. A healed people heal our city. We believe that when the church first seeks the presence of God together, we then can go building the kingdom of God together. And as we sat and prayed, Lord, what are you calling us to do? COVID threw everything into chaos for our city for churches all around the world. And it caused a pause to say, what would you have us do, Lord? And I got this picture of the map of Chicago. So guys, we live in a city where we love like, we're like the only city that has a flag and we like are all proud of our map. So I know you all can visualize the map of Chicago and all the neighborhood names right now. So just close your eyes and envision it. Um, I had this picture of the map of Chicago with wells all over the city beginning to go dry. And then I saw new wells wells popping up, but not being filled up. And then I saw this massive well starting to tip over and spill into the wells all going dry. So this vision isn't about new things being wrong. I wanna say that. We need the church to keep being innovative and creative. This vision was about where we feel Oasis is positioned in this season. He is calling Oasis to be an overflowing well, bringing fresh water to the deep wells that are already existing in this city. He's calling us to connect well to well. We live in an incredible city that has incredible organizations and a people doing amazing things. So before I go further, I wanna give you um, some context that helped birth what well to well is today. So just hold on to that vision we're gonna get to at the end. If you could all open your Bibles to Ezekiel 47. It's going to be on the screen behind me. The book of Ezekiel is wild. I'm going to give like the quickest recap that I ever could. Um, But it's very prophetic, very visual. Um, The first half is very rough, very grim. Um, Basically, Ezekiel has this vision. The world is dark. God leaves his temple. People are rebelling. Exile happens. But... God promised that there is still a future, praise the Lord. Then we get to the second half, and it's all about hope, praise the Lord. Ezekiel has a vision that God is going to raise up a new David and renew his people by spirit. Then we go through the Valley of Dry Bones, everyone's favorite chapter. Um, We see that new creation is again needed, and God has a determined heart. And then the rest of the book is about God's presence, which is what we're going to cover today. Ezekiel's having a vision of a new temple being built, and he has a tour guide showing him. Can you imagine if like, we all had guides in our visions and dreams? It would be so helpful. Because sometimes we wake up and we're like, what does that mean? Ezekiel did not have that. Ezekiel literally had a guide explaining everything to him. So um, Ezekiel 47, the river of healing. I'm reading out of the NLT. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing from the east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gate and led me around the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gate. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees." After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was so deep to walk across, it was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. He asked me, have you been watching this, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east of the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. What? Like that's like the ocean becoming literally fresh water. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea all the way from en to en and El Gleim. the shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean. But the marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall. There will be always fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month. For they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. Praise God. So Ezekiel has this vision of a new temple, a new altar. And then there's this water, this stream flowing out into the most desolate places, leaving trees, fresh life all around uh, Later, the last chapter, in chapter 48, the city is named. This whole temple and river, it's a a new city being constructed, basically. And the last verse says, And the city will be called, the Lord is there. This dream is a messianic prophecy of Jesus coming and pouring out his Holy Spirit. So the Lord is there. It's it's actually, for us, the Lord is here, right? Right? The new temple in this vision symbolizes Christ. It's a prophetic vision of Jesus coming to fulfill his plan from the garden. The water flowing from the temple in this vision is the Holy Spirit-infused gospel, the whole kingdom message of God and his goodness, permeating everywhere and producing life. As the water flows, vegetation, lush trees, animals all sprout up. Some theological context for you for this vision. This vision is literally a thread line throughout the entire Bible. If we miss this or don't understand this, we're missing a huge part of the story of redemption. This vision actually looks back to Genesis 2 and God's intent for his creation, and it looks forward to the same vision John has in Revelation 22. I'm not going to get into that. I want you to read it because you'll see the connection point. But all throughout the Bible, we see this theme of living water, right? The woman at the well, like water everywhere is throughout the entire Bible. What God established in the garden, he fulfills it in Jesus. But until Jesus returns, it's not going to be perfect. But do you remember the name of the city? The Lord is there. The presence of God is here because Jesus has come, paid for us, sent his Holy Spirit, we're actually being called to live in this prophetic vision that Ezekiel had. As we too grow in the gospel of Christ and God's presence, nothing but life should prosper. That's the promise to us. That as we actually enter into God's goodness and the Holy Spirit, that what we touch, life bubbles up. As JP and I were talking about this passage, we, we were talking about how it's interesting that as um, Ezekiel is being taken further in the water, the whole part right about it's 750, and then he measures in more, and then it's waist deep, and then it's like he can swim in it, all of that. As it goes further, um, it's actually going deeper, and there's significance there. Our lives should be going deeper and deeper in Christ every day. Yes. Oasis, the church, our lives, this body, is not meant to have a moment impact. It's meant to have generational impact of depth. This vision promises that. That's actually our portion. It's the city's portion, actually. (laughs) And so I asked the question, would we jump in the water? Would we jump in this living water, this living stream? What are we waiting for? It's promised to be a safe and prosperous and life-giving water. If you've been with us for a few months, you know that the presence of God is all we're going after. This vision is actually so similar to even the vision that Pastor Nick had of life prospering and it being connected to a stream of water. This is what this house is going after, to be a resting place for the presence of God. So what does this have to do with well-to-well? What is well-to-well? How does this connect? This is the biblical framework. And to kick off well-to-well What better way to start than to explain how wells work? Um, Is anyone a well maker here, builder? No one raise your hand if you are. (laughs) Because I'm about to give the most overarching and not detailed explanation of how to build a well, and there's definitely some fallacies here, so just bear with me. Um, But remember the vision that I had at the beginning. We're going to explore that now together. If you could show the picture of how to build a well, that'd be great. We're waiting. Okay. It's very clear. It's very clear. So basically, you dig until you hit water. You throw a pipe down there, attach it to a pump, and there's your well. Now, when a well begins to go dry, which after lots of YouTube videos, I found it was very rare, except in certain parts of the world. It's very tricky for a well to go dry. It's actually never dry. You just got to dig deeper. And so you drill down deeper until you hit water again from these aquifers below, okay? So these actually aren't like streams, but they're like um, water, like pockets of water that we, we hit and get pulled up. Isn't that so cool? Our city needs a body of believers so filled with the presence of God that it would replenish old and working and established wells around the city. That we would be the living water streams in the underground aquifers, This system, if you look at it, is actually the kingdom of God. This stream that you see, right, like if that's the stream of living water, it then permeates the ground and it provides well, uh, well water all over the world. It's the same city. It's the same system. And not to get negative or dark, but I fear that our city is dry and dehydrated from the presence of God. From the living water. The reality is that the the living water stream is always accessible. It's always running, but are we actually participating? Are we actually so filled with the presence of God that it would permeate around us? As the well of Oasis or the church or the temple is healthy and whole We believe that it will tip over and flow into every part in ministry in this city and that nothing but health and life would bubble up. This is the mandate for the church, for our church. So how do we do this? How do we connect and flow into the wells around our city? It's it's the truth that God's presence and his church is the main and possibly the only thing that God actually cares about. Why? Because out of the health of the church, everything else flows. So well to well. The mission of well to well, and you can throw this up behind me, is to fulfill the call of Oasis to connect others to the life-giving water of God's holy presence by focusing on our pillar of God's city. We do this by loving and building the church first. From the overflow of the church, we see we will see a city where the family is reestablished, the school system is flourishing, and the community is restored. Why these three areas? We believe that when both the biological and the spiritual—how many of you know that this is family too—that the spiritual family of God is healthy, schools can thrive and become healthy. When we see education in schools thriving we then will see a community filled with people growing together. To go deeper, the Bible constantly focuses on the family system, both spiritual and biological. It's a thread line to the Bible. Family is important. The Bible cares about teaching and equipping. After all, Jesus was called teacher. Jesus' ministry constantly focuses on the community. Look at the woman at the well. She she shared Jesus with her whole community afterwards. And he was always seeking to heal and bring life to to communities, whole communities. We believe that these three areas are foundational to the Bible, and we desire it to be foundational to Oasis. So what is Well the Well? (laughs) Oasis desires to be a sending ministry to places within our city that are experts in doing an incredible job. Like I said before, this isn't to say that new things are bad. Right now we feel positioned to be a connecting force from our well to the wells around this city. This has been brewing for many years, but specifically over the last nine months, the Holy Spirit, surely the Holy Spirit, has connected us to three organizations that we've actually already been serving with and building relationships with. All within these three categories of family, schools and community. Our hope and our dream is that the, as the Lord continues to build this body and well to well, that there would be numerous organizations and deep wells within each one of these categories. If you've been with us for a while, you know that we go slow and steady. So right now, it's just one organization within each one of these pillars of well to well. We want to go deep. We're not here to just partner um, flippantly, to be honest. Um, We actually wanna know these organizations. We want to to go deep with them. We actually wanna be um, an asset right, a Holy Spirit asset to our city. So are you guys ready to meet them? I want to bring up Jasmine and all of you guys now. (laughs) For those of you that don't know, um, Jasmine has been a little incognito. She is actually our director of city engagement. And so this has been something that we've been working on, like I said, for nine months to almost a year. And so, so much has been building up to this moment, and so now you get to actually hear what has already been going on for the last few months and how you actually get to get involved now. So, Jazz, I'm gonna hand it over to you. First of all, I'm so sorry I
2: lost my voice this weekend. I'm Recovering from a cold, so bear with me. But I just wanna give a second to honor Rachel and this incredible team, so if you guys can put your hands together. Thank you, thank you, everyone. For the past nine months, as Rachel shared, we have been sowing into each ministry up here. So we have GRIP, we have Safe Families, and we have Chicago City Life Center. Our relationships with these individuals have gone deep and deeper every time, and truly, it has been divine appointments and connections that have created these, uh, yeah, organizations, connections here. Wow, I'm (laughs) so sorry. and so, um, each individual is handpicked by the Lord, truly. When we were praying into this at the beginning, I was asking the Holy Spirit to give me guidance and who to ask for each organization. We know that we had the organizations, but we needed the leaders in our house to bring forth what is happening today. And so, Kira and Diana and Kayla faithfully stepped in and said yes. And so this is just what a little bit of what's been going on behind the scenes, but I want to give a moment for each organization to share what they do, their heart, and why they do it for this city, as well as Kieran, Diana, and Kayla to share their heart and why they said yes. And so I'm going to start with Safe Families. Jill, would you share a little bit about Safe Families?
3: Well, first I just want to say that I'm so honored to be here um, with these other great ministries. I think of, um GRIP is kind of my... Mentor, so so excited to be working together. Um, I've gotten to know Oasis Church a little bit over this past year, and I really love how intentional you are about loving people in the city. And um, my mind just totally went blank. Um, I don't know how that just happened, but. Um, yeah, just like uh, what your pillars are, and I really this, this has never happened to me before. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, just just how you're loving people in the city, and we are the safe families. Where where I know that Oasis Church kind of aligns with God's desire to bring more men, women, and children into his family. And we have that same mission at Save Families. And we have families all over Chicagoland who, out of compassion and um, just their faith in Jesus Christ, they want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And out of this, they're motivated to host children in their home just for short periods of time while their families get back on their feet. And um, this can look like a mom, you know, a hospital will call us a mom is in their room. She needs, she needs some treatment. She has a child with her and there is,
4: she doesn't have anyone
3: to leave a child with. So they'll call us and we'll place that child overnight in a family um, just so she can have her treatment and know that her child is safe. Um, you know, this mom might call us herself. We get, we get calls from parents and she's got a new job but her daycare hasn't come. through, yet. So um, she looks at her phone she looks at her contact list, and there's really nobody she feels comfortable leaving her child with. So she'll call us, and we'll, we'll, we'll host the child with a, one of our families. And um, she knows that, that that child's in a safe home. She's ready to uh, take them back. We, get, we have like a 95% reunification rate. Our, our goal really is to keep children out of foster care and to bring the family back together. Um, family's important to God. We know this we, see this, we see this in the Bible, and we look at Psalm 68, we, um, David describes God as the original, say, family, really. He says, father to the fatherless, defender of the widow, this is our God whose dwelling is holy, and God sets the lonely in families. Family is just so important. Our safe families, our volunteers, are temporary families to the most vulnerable people in our society, mm-hmm. and that's children. And it's not only families who are hosting, it's single people too. We have um, a single woman right now who is hosting a little child, um, the child's in daycare so she can still work, and it's such a cute relationship. It's so lovely. We host children from anywhere from a few hours. If somebody, if a mom needs to go to um, maybe to uh, get her driver's license or to go to a job interview, we can take the child for a few hours up to maybe two months. So this this single woman has this little boy for two months. So um, it's it's really sweet. Um,
1: can you share with us other ways that you're able to get involved with safe families? So people. Contact safe families and they get to um, host children in their home. What other ways can people support safe families?
3: So, my job really is to help the church do what it does best loving their neighbor. That's kind of what the job is. Um, but we also create like a circle of support. So, not only do we have coaches who work with the placing parent, with the biological parent to meet their goals, whether it's daycare or uh, maybe a mental health treatment or to finding a home. But we also create a circle of support. So we have volunteers that we can train from the church to create a circle of support to come around a host family, too. So we're supporting both families mm-hmm. so that the host family doesn't feel like they're all alone in the hosting. So we'll have other families who might bring a meal, who might bring resources, who might do babysitting for a couple of hours. So there are a lot of different ways to get involved.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a few actually in the house. We have someone that has gone through the process of um, becoming a safe family babysitter and a safe family driver where they actually transport um, the child from family to um, one of the safe families. And so there's so many incredible ways um, that encompass safe families. It's such a cool organization. Yeah,
3: And then I know my time is probably up, but um, the way that I got involved in safe families was my children. They they heard about it and they begged me to do it. So I just want to say that like the children, our own children are really important in this too. And they have their own spiritual gifts. Amen. They have, they have some spiritual gifts that we don't have. And I couldn't have done it without my children. And it's been such a blessing to watch them as they serve. It's really one of the few ministries where you can serve with your, your whole family can serve together. So I, I just loved watching them use their gifts to serve, to serve mm. these families too. Amen.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, Jill. I, I know we've talked a lot and it's been so beautiful just seeing Jeff and Diana step into this and other people from our church as well to be babysitters, to be um, someone who goes and transports children as well to a family um, and sits with the families and prays with them and loves on them. So it's so wonderful, Diana. I know that you have had a heart to foster children for so long and the Lord has given you such a direction an anointing and a vision for this. Can you share your why you said yes to save families?
5: Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, yeah, so I've always had a heart to care for children specifically and I think a part of that was my own fears of dealing with adults (laughs) and just not knowing how to serve um, people who maybe have different lived experiences than me and connecting with them. And I was like, children, I can have fun. We can play games. And it's just a joy to be with them. And so I think I met another mom in the church who um, is actually a foster mom. And she just has so much wisdom and has so much empathy for the birth mom that she, you know, is involved with right now, and for some reason I could not sign up to do the fostering. I just was like, for some reason I I can't take the plunge, and now I know it's because the Lord was waiting for the conversation that I had with J.P. and Rachel where they told me about safe families, and I just fell in love with the mission and the true kind of way that it's about preserving families and the relationship with, Everyone. It's not just about the child, and the truth is, they are the easiest and best part of it. They're, the, they're. I mean, it's challenging. Don't get me wrong. It's very difficult, but <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> they're they're the easiest to love. You have. We have so much grace for them. They're learning. They're, they're just going through so much on like a biological level in their growth. And you know we can forgive them when they mess up and make mistakes. And I think the best part about safe families is that yes, you a child is placed in our home who we commit to loving forever and interceding on behalf of their life. But so is their parent. Their parent is placed in front of us as well, and our calling is to intercede on behalf of their life and to just have the Lord's will come to pass. And so I think it's just been the again the most challenging but beautiful experience and to be sanctified every single day from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep and sometimes
1: in the middle of the night,
5: just- in the middle of the night is it's the best like i've never seen i've never known that the lord could work so so much in me during something that i never i never expected to be so good
1: Diana, what made you, because I remember sitting in a group and you guys had gone through the process and you kept getting texts of like, um, we have, there's a child for a six month placing or a child for one week." And I remember you and Jeff kind of being like, I don't know. I don't know. When did we say yes? I don't know. How did you overcome that? And then
5: what made you say yes? I think it was the Ogre prayer. Um, there is a part of me that's very like type A and I need all the dominoes to be lined up before I, I click go. And Jeff is very the same. Um, and I think we were letting, we were trying to have the Lord perfect our situation. Get daycare set up, get this set up. Like whatever the age is, whatever situation, we need to be prepared. We need to have outfits for every age, which... That's one, that's zero to 18. Like that's a lot of different, that's a lot of outfits. Um And so I think that during that time, Rachel was, was kind of like, just don't even talk to each other when you get the request, go in another room, pray about it, come back together and see what happens. And I think I was overwhelmed by the need and wanting to say yes to every single need that there was. And Jeff was kind of like, pump the brakes, what can we do, like actually? And I think it was texting like the group of moms and and trying to prepare myself, but also seeing what the options were to get it set up. And then ultimately listening to God and the Holy Spirit tell me this is the one, try it out, see how it goes, but I'm with you every single step of the way. There is no one situation that I knew like, I was doing it by myself. I n- have never felt that way. Um, obviously, the Lord was with me, but he works through all the people that are in my circle of support as well. Yeah, thank you.
2: Wow. <laughs> thank you, Diana. Um, thank you for sharing your heart and being vulnerable. I know it's not easy in front of a room full of people, um, but I wanna transition over to Pastor Kay. Um, we have been in connection and community with Chicago City Life Center for so many years now, Um, and I don't know if every one of you actually knows what we do there, our partnership, so I just want to give Pastor Kay a second to share a little bit of what we do with him.
6: Hi, family. So, um, at Chicago City Life Center, uh, we are located in Englewood, And uh, we reach out to people in all sorts of walks in life. Um, But we particularly go after people that are marginalized. So people that you wouldn't necessarily find in a church. So we are not a traditional church at all. Um, But uh, we have two different um, opportunities where we actually meet people where they are. Um, we have our Tuesday night outreach services where we have uh, round tables and, and tablecloths and centerpieces and, and we have dinner and we do life with people. So we we sit at the table and, and we get to hang out and ask people how their day or how their week is going and then they hear, they hear the gospel. But the awesome thing is, since we've been it's 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 awesome we started with the tables and everything and and from day 1 when we started that oasis has always been a part of that um, I think I even had Rachel work on centerpieces for me at one point. <laughs> and uh, basically, the families from Oasis come in, and they don't stand to the side. They are at the table with the families, hanging out with them. You guys are so brave. Some of you guys even bring your children, and we have our our children carrying your children. And and so it's just it's a family atmosphere where we get to just love on people and build relationships with them so that they can trust us to 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 be able to get the help that they do need. Um, So we do that on Tuesdays, and then on Friday nights, we go out on the streets. We go to 63rd and King Drive, and and we've had crews from Oasis as well come on out with us where um, we bring food, we bring music, if we have socks, if we have hats. Whatever we have, we, we go out there, and we literally hang out with people, and we pray with them, and we encourage them. And the population that we tend to see the most there are people that are actually strung out on drugs in the moment. And what we do is we hang out with them and it takes years sometimes for them to say, you know what, I'm ready to stop using drugs. And But while they're with us in in those years, they're they're telling us, you know, pray for me, my family doesn't want anything to do with me. Pray for me, I, I, I don't wanna be like this. And we just hang out and we do life with them on the streets, meeting them where they are, and we've seen God just transform yeah. so many lives. Amen.
2: You said the phrase, meeting someone where they're at, and that's exactly what Jesus did every single time. It makes my social work heart happy because that's our model, and that's how we do things as well. Kayla, I... Want you to share a little? This is really vulnerable, y'all. But the Lord gave her a download on Vision Sunday as pastors were speaking, and she went to JP and Rachel and told them all about it. This girl made a whole spreadsheet of like <laughs> what the Lord was sharing with her in that moment during service, and then she shared it with me. And there is like sections, y'all. Like there is place to grow. And that is where the Lord is leading us, and that is so beautiful. We get to start with Chicago City Life Center, but there is more to come. And Kayla, can you just share a little bit about that vision? Yeah.
7: Um, I love that question because um, as I was praying in preparation for today, um, one, because I'm nervous (laughs) to be up here, uh, but two, uh, because I want to correctly portray the Lord's heart in this, um, and I want to speak what he wants me to speak during this time. And so um, to give you a little bit of insight into what that vision was, um, you know, funny enough, it was on Vision Sunday, but um, I was sitting there in service um, and, you know, you get that nudge from the Lord and you can't ignore it. You know exactly where it's coming from. Um, There's just certainty in like the way that he speaks to you. And so there was information that was given to me. Like there was like categories of different needs that were gonna come up, um, not just in our church, but in our our community. Um, Things I didn't know about, um, I actually sat there and I'm like, is this for me? Um, Which is a crazy thing to do, to even question uh, where it's coming from. And so I knew in that moment. um, I went home and like Jazz said, I. In fear of not knowing or not being able to recall it, I opened up my laptop and I wrote everything down, um, everything I could remember, because I wanted to be able to recall um, what the Lord had placed on my heart. And so during that time, I sat there for 30 minutes and Derek was just staring at me, my husband, and he's like, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, And I closed my laptop and I'm like, okay, now what do I do with that? You know, I'm like where do I go with this? I have all of this information that the Lord has placed on my heart and I don't know who to give it to. And so I, mean, I sat there and I prayed about it for some time um, and I wanted to be certain and I wanted to be confident that the Lord had placed this um, on me and who to share it with. And so um, I sent that screenshot along to Rachel and I was with very little explanation, I'm sure. I was probably just like, and here's this. I don't know. You know, I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. And and she did. And the reason why um, is because there were many people in our church that were receiving similar nudges, um, which is just so encouraging to hear. Um, This is, you know, as honored as I am to be up here, this is not about me. Um, It has nothing to do with me. It's not my calling or just Diana's calling or just Kieran's calling. Um, this is our calling as his body. Um, and so to hear that there are other people receiving similar visions um, is just, it's the most encouraging thing. Um, and as I, you know, pondered that and, and as Rachel read through it um, and I received that encouragement, um, you know, I was, I was reminded that as a healthy, functioning body, um, when we can grasp the way that the Lord has loved us, that like unfailing, um, unconditional love, we can love other people well. Um, and so I think that's, that's really what the vision looked like. Um, it looked like people in our body um, being healthy, being filled up with the Holy Spirit, and out of that, um, just the only response is to love our community well, and so, um, yeah, that's, that's my yes today. Um, it's a little bit about the vision. I'm happy to share more. I'm happy to share my spreadsheet with anyone who would like to see. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful to be here. I'm, I'm honored and humbled. But um, yeah, this is not just for me. And so I'm very honored to share that with you guys.
2: Okay, I'm here. I have seen you step. Fully into this calling and truly there also awesome. is an anointing on you to just see people and know exactly what they need um, a little bit of a testimony that I'm going to share with y'all is that we went out on Friday night street team and we were ready to just hand out food prepared to just love on people we actually got there and there was actually no more food left so there was nothing for us to do <laughs> uh, and we just stood in a circle and I just saw Kayla like lead. A prayer for anyone who wanted to join. And as we started praying, we all like were, were literally just standing on a street corner, guys. Like there was nothing crazy about it. But we saw people just start coming and asking for prayer and sharing their situation. And I saw this woman just a love on this other woman who was telling her testimony, and sharing her story, and telling her how she has been on drugs and she knows the Lord and wants to go deeper. And she just loved on her. And that was for that moment exactly what we were called to do, nothing more, nothing less. And so, can you just share a little bit more of the ways that you've seen God move through this?
7: Yeah, sorry. Um, Yes, I, you know, I would share that like, I personally have felt um, unequipped for this role. Um, And I've, I've shared that with people before because, not because it's discouraging, but because, Um, I can recognize that that is my opinion of myself. Um, It's not what the Lord has to say about me. And so, um, yeah, I would encourage anyone else who's feeling that way, who's like, why would I be able to step into that? I'm not prepared for that. Um, In the natural, you're not. I'm not. Um, There's nothing that I've done to qualify me for this role outside of my identity in Christ. Um, And so, yeah, I... I've been um, humbled and reminded over and over again, um, just kind of like I said before that this has nothing to do with me, but it has to do with seeing the Lord's kingdom here on earth. And so, um, yeah, I would encourage that person to like step step into this. Um, the Lord will equip you, and if you've been called, then you are equipped and you are prepared. Um, and so, yeah, I, in that moment, um, was reminded um, because, it's so funny when you show up and you have an idea of what things are look like and then it, everyone's already been fed and you're like, well, what's my role now? And he's like, I actually just asked you to be here um, and to spend time with my people. And so don't be surprised when those kinds of moments happen and, um, and it will be an awesome time, so.
2: At the end over there, we have Sean and Eric. Um, they lead GRIP. Slam—it's um, a wonderful ministry in this city. They bus kids from all over the city to then love on them. Pastor Nick and I went to one of the slam nights, and we left in tears. Truly, just seeing how other people from other churches, um, even Moody students, come and they do life on life with these kids. What that means is that they come every Monday night, and they bring them to their homes and they feed them. And they share the gospel with them, but truly they do life with one another. And I've seen a beautiful thing happen here where discipleship does happen. And I've also seen it at GRIP and at SLAM. So, Sean, would you share a little bit more about the ministry?
8: Yeah, thank you. Uh, 24 years ago, SLAM started as a sports outreach, team-building, gospel-centered program over at Moody Bible Institute Solheim Center. It's a gym over there in, at Moody and um, they have let us use that facility for free for 24 years, and about 18 years ago, GRIP became a not-for-profit to train mentors on how not to quit on high school students. Um, In contrast to, Diana, did you say? She was like, oh, it's so easy to work with these little children. I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, if you're gonna work with high school students in Chicago, you better get training and support. (laughs) Personal experience. Um, So our mission at GRIP Outreach for Youth is to invest in the lives of Chicago youth through Christ-centered life-on-life relationships. Um, Life-on-life relationships is Jesus's way of discipleship. That's basically our way of saying what Jesus asked us to do, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, even... Um, and and know that I am with you even to the end of the age. The cool thing is, is when we train and support our mentors to walk with high school students, we walk with you. (laughs) So we pour into the mentors. We we do a very deep, uh, thorough training up front. We also have a vetting process and an application process and interview because we love our high school students that we work with. Um, And we then walk alongside the mentors monthly to support you in prayer and encouragement and equipping so that you don't quit on the work. Because high school students, they're they're not little kids anymore, but they're also not adults yet. And um, a lot of high school students in the city of Chicago that we work with on the west sides and south sides of the city, they've had a lot of people say a lot of things and promise a lot of things and not deliver And so we do not want to add to that. So SLAM is held on Monday nights at Moody Bible Institute Solheim Center. It's also we're launching one on the west side in Austin. And then we're also launching another this winter in the northwest side in the Belmont Cragen community. And um, we also serve in four public high schools as well. One is Chicago Tech. It's right around the corner from here. Uh, we do uh, it's Steinmetz High School on the northwest side, Al Raby is in East Garfield Park, and uh, Michelle Clark High School in Austin. So we have great relationships with those schools. We step into those schools and we bring a lunchtime club called Cookies and Convos, um, which is basically we provide the cookies, the students provide the conversation, and it's a bridge build to invite them to SLAM where they'll meet a life-on-life mentor and those Life on Life mentors then take that relationship outside the walls of the program. Um, I'm gonna turn it over to Eric, who can talk a little bit more about Life on Life, but I do wanna say this. To have a community like Oasis. I've been on staff at GRIP for 11 years. I've been in the city for 17. There are, I can count on two hands. The churches that I've been in, recruiting or talking about GRIP, where I felt so confident that I want young people that I know to be there, and this is one of those places. I'm not saying that cheaply. I To see the diversity, to see the passion for Christ, to see the family and community, I'm telling you, y'all, there are high school students in the west side, in the central region of the city, that need to know this community exists, and they need to see Jesus in a community like this. So I'm excited that God, has put us all together for such a time as this.
9: Yeah, so in regards to life on life, um, mentorship, um, I think something stood out for Chicago City uh, that that, uh, Kay said, uh, you know, they're hanging out at 63rd and King, we're hanging out at Solheim Center, but that's that's what we want, that's, uh, we could, talk about it in different ways, but we want to hang out, we want to spend time with um, a student that lives here in Chicago. Um, that's what we want Life on Life to be. Now the hard part is, is um, does the student wanna hang out with you, you know what I mean? So um, it's, it's a lot like the relationship that we had with God. Um, God created us, loves us, wants to hang out with us, and we're like, nah, I wanna do my own thing for me. I could, okay, I I liked without the mic too, but um, for me, it was 19 years of, you know, faking the funk with Jesus. I got exposed to Christianity at around 13, but I had mentors, I had people guiding me. Um, And then when I came to a crossroads between one church and another uh, cult, and then the streets, because I didn't know the gospel, I didn't understand the gospel, I didn't, um, I didn't haven't experience with Jesus yet. I didn't, I didn't the, the veil hadn't been removed, but I had mentors in my life. And that's what we want for our students here in Chicago, that we're gonna be with you through the thick and through the thin. Um, and for each relationship, it looks different, but it looks like a pursuit. It looks like you're gonna get ghosted, um, you know, for who knows how long, I don't know. I, there's some mentors, there's some relationships that I have with students that, you know what, they're not gonna text me back. But if I show up at their house, they open the door, yo, what's up? And all right, hey, do you wanna come hoop on Wednesday night? Sure, all right, so they show up and, and maybe they'll show up to slam, maybe they won't, but I'm a safe place for them to hang out with, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I'm gonna guide them through life where they let me, and that's what we want for our mentors. It's, it's, it's really a matter of like choosing your time, like, man, who do I wanna hang out with? God, like, who are you calling me to hang out with, to spend my time and to pursue? Um, it's not easy. It's, there's, there may be like a lot of romantic stories where you know, it's like uh, a very like, uh, sexy, sto- sexy Christianity story. Like, man, like, that's, that looks glorious. That looks great. But it's, it's a lot of ups and downs, and it's a marathon. It's, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of, you, you know what? Like, um, we'll say, I'll say, like, man, you're a real mentor when, with grip when you knock at their door, and they're like, oh, I can't go today are like, bro, like I showed up, you know, and, and it's a continual pursuit. Um, and you're just helping them with school. You're helping them with the relationships. And um, something that I've been um, wrestling with recently is you don't know what you don't know. Like that's such a deep concept to me. Like these kids don't know that they need a mentor. Um, and you don't know how you're gonna get blessed in pursuing a relationship with a Chicago youth, um, with a, a student that needs you. Um, you don't know that, that, you need, that you need to be in their lives to, to learn, to, for God to teach you some things about um, life and, and discipleship, and, and this student doesn't know that they need somebody to guide them. Like, man, my life would've looked so differently in certain times of my life if I had a mentor, like we have at, at Slam and Grip, just guiding me, giving me, like you know, pieces here and there, like, don't do that, do this. Um, but I'm thankful for the mentors that, that God did provide for me, and so yeah, I'm thankful for Kieran here stepping up to the plate.
2: Thank you, Eric, that's such a beautiful story, and I think something that Rachel said during her message was healed people, heal people, and so that seems to be like the overarching theme as everyone has spoken so far, truly healed people, heal people, and we wanna see that happen. Um, Kieran, with me in a little more time, guys. Um, But I remember when I first talked to you, you shared that you were really passionate about working with youth. And we had a really vulnerable conversation of like why the Lord even brought you to this house, to the city of Chicago. And so can you share a little bit about that?
4: Yeah, so um, I used to live in Seattle, Washington for like three years. And then when the pandemic happened, some other stuff happened while I was out there. I came back to Chicago to come visit, and I was able to uh, come to Oasis when they opened up the doors again, and there was something different about Oasis. Like, I just knew that I wanted to be here, that God called me to be here for some reason. Um, I just didn't know what that was. So I went back to Seattle, decided I was going to come back to Chicago after I talked to multiple people, like, you know, and like making sure that it wasn't what I wanted to, cause the tr- fact of the matter is I did want to come back home to Chicago, but I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't my desire, it was the Lord's. Um, and like over the last two years, he has definitely like, he's been affirming, but like confirmed on multiple occasions that I needed to be here. Um, one of the big things that I wanted to, so if you guys don't know about, this about me, I have worked with kids like, very closely, from like I was 14 up until like now, so that's you know being, <laughs> so you know whether that's like you know being a camp counselor, teaching theater, um, I was a nanny at some point too, um, yeah, and all of that started when my mom, she's a nanny, and she would go like to families places, and I would go along with her when I was young. When I was young, yeah, so. One of those families I'm still in contact with to this day, I was was able to watch their kids grow up from like, you know, very young age up until like, you know, they're adults now. Uh, So one thing that really stuck out to me, like this happened last uh, Christmas actually, that family, so their youngest son, he doesn't know his life without me uh, because I've always been there. So he just went off to college like last month and all that but last summer, not last summer, last Christmas, I was over at their place, we were having uh, dinner, and I remember his dad pointed to him and then told me, we raised him together, because you know, I've been there like, I've been there like, you know, he looks up to me and all that. So it was, that really stuck with me, and it made me realize that I've been making an impact on not just him, but all the kids who I've worked with over the, last 14 years of my life, or plus, anyway, so, yeah, does that answer your question? I'm sorry, (laughs) but that was a bit of a ramble.
2: Question aside, thank you. (laughs) And so now I just wanna give an invitation to all of you guys. You have heard the hearts of each individual here. You have heard the ways that we're partnering with this city. And we want to invite you now to make that decision as well. If you feel a a tug on your heart, truly a conviction that the Holy Spirit is saying, like, yes, I want you to partner with this organization. I want you to do life with children. I want you to open your home. I want you to come out and pray with people. If that's you, please head over to the gym after we get dismissed. There is tables set up. Um, Each organization will be there, and you guys can sign up. One of our Oasis team lead so Kieran, Diana or Kayla will then reach out to you and give you next steps on how to get involved Um, but truly sign up for one organization not all three we cannot do all three at a time you guys have heard the time commitment and the heart posture that that is required truly and so I encourage you to take a second to pray for it I want to invite Pastor JP to just pray over us as a sending prayer um, and to encourage you to take a moment to really think about it ponder on it and then head over to the gym, get more yeah, more information from whichever organization you're interested in, and then go from there. But truly, thank you guys so much for being up here. I know it's really hard and scary. We're not Pastor JP who does this every week, and so um, he's a pro, we're not, and he, you guys are just all wonderful, so thank you for your hearts, for the time, and the passion that you have truly given this past nine months, and for everyone here Organization Leads, you guys are incredible, and thank you for all you do in the city.
0: Come on, can we thank Rachel and Jazz? Come on, yeah, can we thank them? <clears throat> all right, so, so listen, I, I know today, can I just talk to them for a few moments? You guys have been sitting up here, just a few more moments, um, and we'll be dismissed. And I'm, I'm expecting, we have 10 chairs set up at each group, I'm expecting we need more for each group. Um, this is different today, right? Um, this has never been done like this in our house where we've set aside a Sunday to be intentional about being the hands and feet of Jesus. This is intentional, okay? Um, some of you are like, "Why well, wanted the word. You got the word, Ezekiel 47, that word was good. <laughs> listen, yeah. listen, but listen, hear me. You just heard the word talked from each one of their mouths. You just heard the word talked from each one of them. Maybe they didn't reference a scripture verse but they were referencing the heart of God. And I pray and I hope that this body would be the body that God's called us to be, which is a body that cares about God's city. And what I, what I think this is breaking is, one of the things I think COVID did, it did a lot of really hard, terrible things, but it was a moment where it shook a lot of things. And one of, I think it shook the church. Actually, I know that, it was prophetic. We said the Lord is shaking his house, that what should be will stay and what shouldn't will go. But one of the things COVID did, as we were all alone for a while in our own homes, in our own bubbles, in our own safe zones. And listen, what that has done is that has continued to creep in and, and it's something that we, I'm not condemning, but I found myself where it's just about me. Can I tell us something? When we died with Jesus and we were raised to life, our lives died and it's no longer just about me. It has nothing to do about me, with me. It has nothing to do with you. If you follow Jesus, your life is not your own. When you say yes to Jesus, you don't just say yes to a pass to heaven, you say yes to the work of heaven. Jesus said to the 72, I'm sending you out to go heal the sick, to give sight to the blind, to see the demonic release, to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is your commission, not just the pastor, it's all of us. But one thing he said is pray for the the, the laborers. He says the harvest is plentiful. But he, he says something so specific, he says pray for the laborers to come and to labor. We have prayed for the laborers. We're asking for the laborers to come. You are the laborers. And so I'm asking you to step up. I'm asking you to get outside of yourself. Oh, my time, my schedule, show me your calendar. I'll find some time for you and with you, okay? But get out of yourself. Go sign up for one of these great organizations, partner with them, partner together as a body, and go and do what the Lord's called us to do, to be laborers for his kingdom. I'm gonna say this and I'm done. Laboring is hard. No one wants to be a day laborer. Today more than ever, nobody wants to labor. I, I was a day laborer. I worked construction for a handful of years. I was a laborer. I was the one wheelbarrowing concrete. I was digging holes. It's not fun. It's not glamorous. And when we come to the kingdom, we think, oh, it should just be easy. I love the word. You said sexy Christianity. It should just be like, oh, look at me. I got my Instagram picture. And oh my goodness, look at me. I'm serving the Lord. It's like, no, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom work is one of laborers. It's putting our hands to the plow. It's gonna get messy, it's gonna get hard, it'll strip you from some stuff, it'll take you from some stuff. But I'm telling you, the reward for it is seeing, is seeing high school kids, community being destroyed by darkness, coming to know Jesus and transforming forever. I don't know about you, but that's worth it. Yeah? Is that worth it? Oasis Church, is that worth it? It's worth it, in Jesus' name. Amen?